that. And this morning, we want to talk a little bit about what it come, means to come together and then experience God's presence that way. Uh, and we're going to do that from Acts chapter 2. I want to encourage you to turn your Bibles. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. And this, um, actually, this section of Scripture has been um, thought of for centuries, really, of a model of church, the model, the model of church, how we, how we live out being the body of Christ. Um, and even in the last number of years, it's uh, a number of different huge movements of God in different churches and places and ministries have caught on to this idea of what it means to commune together and experience communion together um, with the body and how that grows the church in a lot of different ways. So um, for us to learn more about how we experience communion, um, using or understanding it in light of this model that the, God's word gives us is um, it's just great stuff for deepening our understanding of the table and the sacrament of communion. As we come to God's word together, let's pray for God's presence and blessing on our time. Father, thank you for um, being present here already. Where two or three are gathered, there you are. We praise you for that. You, you, um, you're with us, and we know that. We pray, Father, that you meet us um, now in your word. Uh, teach us, um, Holy Spirit, to our hearts what we can learn, how we can be challenged, and how we can grow. Um, speak to us, Christ the Son. Come in and, and transform our hearts that we might see ways where we can love each other and by doing that, loving you more. We pray, Father, that um, those who come with questions about who you are, maybe they don't know you at all. Maybe they just wonder what this whole thing uh, about faith is about. We pray that you meet those folks, bless them with understanding. May your spirit move in them that they might be changed and walk with you. And for those who know you, Lord, encourage us. Encourage us uh, to walk more deeply and in deeper intimacy with you. We pray these things all in Christ's name. Amen. If you had to name a holy place, what place would you name? What's, what's a holy place? Anyone? What's that? Church? Okay, yourself. What, 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 about, what about the Vatican? Right? Where the, where the Pope lives in Rome. Holy place? Eh, maybe. And it's funny, in our culture, uh, we have names for holy places, uh, important places um, with sort of this holy, holy idea. Um, we call this room, this room is a sanctuary. A sanctuary is, uh, it comes from uh, the root sanctified or to sanctify, and to sanctify is to make holy. This is a holy room, if we understand it that way. And there's other holy places. We, sometimes we use a, a word of memory, like a memorial. Has it, if you've been to the Arizona Memorial, has anyone ever been to the Arizona Memorial? You walk in there, and it's, I mean, it's incredible that you, you feel like you can't even speak. It, there's a gravity there. 
The, this holy place, remembering all those who had their lives lost in the sinking of the Arizona in 1941, um, you just feel the weight of it. And it's like that weight, it's like there's something there. And that's, that's good, and we need, to, we need to have those sorts of geographical places. But this morning, for us to talk about how holy places aren't at all linked to geography, that holy places are, are linked instead to relationship. If we gain an understanding of what God is saying to us in his word this morning, then we're seeing holiness that is created as we interact within the body of Christ, as we interact within the church, as we build relationships of love, mutual support, prayer, encouragement, challenge, discipline, all those sorts of things. As we live into that, we're creating holy places. It can be in our living room. It can be our kitchen, in our uh, patio. It can be in the garage. It can be on a golf course. It can be uh, in a restaurant. All those places are holy places. And we see that from God's word. So let's jump into that. Acts 2, 42, it begins like this. This is, and I remember, if you look just a little bit earlier, you'll see Pentecost has happened. The pouring out of the, or the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit has happened. And um, so there, there, there's a level of excitement in the body because God is present with them in a new way now through the Holy Spirit. They've just had the time of 40 days of teaching from Jesus after his resurrection, and so there's some, certainly some excitement around that. Well, that excitement draws them together, and that's where we begin this morning. They're drawn together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and uh, signs performed by the apostles. These folks, they... they, they it was like they couldn't um, not get together. They had to be together. They had to come and, and you see, actually that, that phrase, break bread, is used twice here in this text, but it's coming directly from the passage where Christ himself broke bread at the, pa- uh, at the Passover meal. It's the exact same phrasing in the original Greek. It's the same stuff. And certainly there is a connection to that, that last supper by hearing that here in the text that God's people were gathered together for the purpose of breaking bread, eating, and then to teaching and to learning and to growing. And there's, there's something there that God gives to his body that he wants them to have. Intentionally gathering together does promote communion. Communion, I'm not talking about the sacrament necessarily as much as I'm talking about relationship here. But that communion, that relationship is powerful. The relationship that we have one with each other, but as we experience that relationship one with each other, We experience Christ's communion with us. And the thing is, is that we we long for that, don't we? I I talk to people who who are lonely and feel isolated, and they would they would love to sit at someone's table and just talk about life and, and share what's going on and hear about kids and talk about kids. They would love they don't have that relationship. Trying to find a way to get that connected. In fact, 
more and more, what we're hearing is the biggest challenge in the life of, even, of the river here is creating connections for people, especially those people who are new to the river, creating connections that help them feel love, mutual encouragement, and support. Because we long for that. And there's power there that God gives to us. I know, I, I feel it sometimes. I feel that loneliness. I feel that isolation. Being a pastor can be a very lonely job sometimes. And I wish that sometimes it would be just great to be invited over to sit on someone's back patio or for us to invite someone over, which we do often. But having that, I long for more of that in my life, in the life of my family. I want that because when it comes, man, it's beautiful. And God knows its beauty for us. It meets inner needs. It meets our heart right where we need to be met. God wants that for us. So he gives that to his people right at the beginning. Gather together. And this is a new thing. I mean, we don't see that as much in the Old Testament. We don't see that even in the ministry of Jesus. It wasn't, this is new. This is, this is, this is the model for the church. This is how the body experiences Christ's presence. And we see more of what they experience. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So there was this thing that happened during their gathering time that you would the people would sell stuff here you know you see that that can be abused Ananias and Sapphira but in this context it's such a blessing that people are caring for each other by helping meet another's needs like Landon was talking about earlier we try to do that through our benevolence fund but I want you to hear me here those were not the only needs being met when you gather together in this sort of meal this sort of fellowship this sort of relationship inevitably the longer you spend together the more if you're listening you're going to hear the needs that others have you're going to hear their heart you're going to hear about fractured relationships maybe that they're experiencing you're going to hear about challenges that are going on in their lives and certainly these people in the early church when they gathered together it wasn't just about meeting needs financially it was about meeting needs in each other's hearts and that's something we long for even more. We long for that sort of, of encouragement, mutual love, support, especially when things are difficult. And when it happens, it's powerful and special. When we commune together, trust is built that allows us to be vulnerable with our needs and sense the needs of others. We begin to really share life. And as that relationship grows, then we know exactly what it is that our friend, what our family member, what that neighbor, what that person needs, what we can give to them. Sometimes it's a good word. Sometimes it's a kick in the pants. Sometimes it's time together. Sometimes it's prayer. But when we sit and when we talk, when we live life together in those sorts of relationships, we can actually hear another's heart. When Nick and I are doing sermon planning, 
Uh, we do a, a number of different things. We pray together a lot, and we put things together, do uh, creative ideas, that sort of thing. Oh, Dewanda said if I was sitting in this chair, she was going to sit over there, this communion idea. So, perfect. Okay, but now you've now you got to be Nick. Okay. All right, you're Nick. All right. So, um, a couple weeks, uh, this was about four weeks ago, um, as we were getting ready for this, the creative arts team said that they were going to put this table here. Um, and Nick and I came into this room and, and we looked at this table. And of course they did a great job. Creative Arts team is an incredibly gifted group of people and they make things look good. So we, we, uh, we're sitting here and um, we pray. We prayed together. We prayed for about 15 minutes. But then something pretty special happened. Um, we were here, I don't know, for an hour, something like that at least. And Dewana, it's appropriate that Dewana's sitting here because she actually interrupted us. And she has a picture of me and Nick sitting at this table. He's eating the fish. There's a little fish here. You can't really tell it's a fish, but it's fish. Um, We sat here and we had a conversation that we needed to have. Uh, Nick is going on sabbatical. This summer, we talked a little bit about what the sabbatical was about. We talked a little bit about the sermon series. But then we had the sort of conversation that we needed to have. There was some confession. There was repentance. There was asking for forgiveness. There was sharing of fears. Sharing of doubts. Mutual encouragement. Um... This is a holy table for me because Nick and I sat here and for about an hour experienced God's presence here in the love that we have for each other as brothers in Christ. When we are willing to go down those roads, and it's hard, right? Thanks, Tawana, for coming up here. Uh, it's hard, isn't it? And I think even the stereotypes sometimes hold. Women seem to be able to share their needs, their heart, their feelings, and, and, and guys don't necessarily as well. Maybe that's a stereotype. Maybe that's something you don't experience. But when you can and when you do and when you are vulnerable, you experience a fullness of God's love in a way that you can't any other way. And if you are feeling a sense of loneliness and isolation, isolation from others, isolation from God, then maybe it's time to crack some of this open a little bit wider with brothers or sisters in Christ who can be encouragement, support, love, even admonishment for you. When that happens, it has extraordinary power for us to experience the love of God. As I sat in this chair through my brother Nick, I experienced God's love in a very, very powerful way. And I wouldn't trade that hour for anything. And the funny part is we had a discussion about it, about who got to use it as a sermon illustration. So I guess I jumped first. I got it first. But there was, there's power in those moments when we're vulnerable, listen to another's needs and seek to meet them and share our own. And that's a gift that God has given us to experience. And that was what he gave to the church and challenged them to live into. And he gives that to us and says, come together. Listen to my heart. Listen to my my needs, my child, come together so that we can experience what, what I can do for you, what you can do for me, and how we can live into life together as Christ blesses us. But we gotta, 
we got to come together. There has to be that communion. There has to be that coming to table. Has to be the breaking of bread, as the word calls us to. It calls us to that in verse 46. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. So they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There was sincere, they were honest, they were open with each other, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a power there that is not only a power to change us and move us, but it's also a power that is attractive. It was attractive in Jerusalem at the time of the early church. People saw the, the love and the encouragement that the church was experiencing one for another. They saw the power, the signs and wonders that God was doing while they were together, and they wanted some of that. And we live in a world that wants a lot of that. There are folks in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families who are longing for the sorts of things that we're talking about here and that we can live into more as a community. And it does happen. I know that there are groups who meet together. There's a group with, I think it's Odenbaugh's and Kearns and Heckman's and a a couple other couples, and they've been meeting together for years, every Thursday night for dinner. And when they do, sometimes they have, I I don't even think they have a Bible study. They said, no, we're not going to have a Bible, we're just going to live life together. And they wouldn't trade that for the world because sometimes they laugh the whole time. And sometimes they cry the whole time. And they pray together. They support each other. They're there for each other. Some of them have moved away, but they're still connected because there is power there. And even hearing about that, there's a part of me that says, I I want more of that for me. I want more of that for us, that there's more groups like that, the Thursday night or Monday lunch or Sunday afternoon, whatever it is, becomes a time where we gather into those sorts of communities. And as we experience the power of God's love in those communities, it meets needs in us and other people see that. And they see the joy that life together can give to us. And they wonder, well, how can I be a part of that? In fact, I want to say that's the greatest church growth tool that we have. I'm I'm not nearly even close to the best preacher in the world. People aren't necessarily going to come to the church because of my teaching. We have great musicians, great music, but there are other churches that probably do it better. Our technology is... Okay, you can find better there. Our facility is, is solid, but it, it, you can find better facility. You can find better program. You can find better anything if you want in another church. But you know what? Doggone it, we love well. We love really well one to each other. And it's interesting. Um, it, Ryan, Ryan was in new members class a couple, couple weeks ago. I listened to his story. And Ryan said this to the group. He said, you know what I've never seen anywhere else like I've seen here? This is family. And I've never known family like I've known family here. We, we can and we do love into the lives of each other. And that's what grows in this community. That's what we're hearing when we see here about new members. We hear that there are needs that they see that they have in their own life and people are coming alongside them to encourage them, support them, love them, connect with them. 
be family together. There's incredible power in that. That's what God was talking about in Acts 2. That's what he's talking about for us. The power of communion is Christ's love flowing through his people. That's attractive. And we do that a lot of different ways. Matt, how many casseroles do you guys have in your freezer right now? Dozens. Cheryl and Matt. Cheryl walking through cancer. Uh, cancer treatments right now and the love has shown itself in the Weir's freezer in a lot of casseroles. And I talked, uh, when, when, I, when I talked to Harold Dykstra that there are people who have loved into him through the death of Kim by cards and phone calls and bringing meals and encouragement. I saw it in my own life not, uh, not, uh, just over a month ago Moving day at my house, 20 people show up. Why? Because that's how we show love. That's what we do. There was something really, really special that happened yesterday that exposed this to me in a really powerful way. Mark and Jill Leonard's oldest daughter, Maddie, is eight. And Maddie has uh, wanted to take communion for a while, uh, or for a little while. And uh, mom and dad said, okay, um, there's a couple things that we would like you to do. We'd like you to do a little bit of learning. And so Maddie asked some questions that she had to figure out the answers to. What is communion? What is, what is a sacrament? Um, what is the Passover meal, if it's talking about the Passover meal that Christ um, had with the disciples? What is sacrifice? And she wrote these answers to all these questions and others on a card, on, on cards. And then she put them onto a poster board with some pictures. Well, yesterday morning, um, the Leonards invited um, families who had uh, have been close to Maddie and spoke into her life, cared for her in different ways. Um, they invited their, them to come together to hear Maddie give a teaching on communion. And for, I don't know, five minutes or so, this little girl is standing up there in a room of 20 people. I'm sure she was terrified, but she stood up and she, she had this poster board and she pointed to each thing that she had learned about communion. And of course, as a pastor's heart, you hear that, you're just like, oh, awesome. That's great. You know, here's this little girl hungry for the table, thirsty for the table, so much that she does this learning. It was really a special, special time. And, and obviously, um, you know, I celebrate that there was more going on there. Like I said, there was about, I don't know, 25 people, 20, 25 people, and half of them were under the age of eight. So you can imagine what that place was like, and there were a lot of snacks that had sugar in them. So these are sugar-fied kids under eight. You know how that goes, right? And it was just pandemonium. It was pandemonium because there's one girl over here who wants to act like a cat, and she's not on her hands and knees acting like a cat, and then, of course, someone's got to act like a dog. And then you've got them jumping in and out of the playhouse and doing this and squirming on mom's lap and over here and over there. And in the middle of it all, Evan, Evan Weirs, who's the only boy there, is trying to figure out what to do with all these girls. It's just, it, was, it, it was beautiful. God, it was beautiful. Beautiful to watch these kids whose moms, dads, and friends love them. And they want them to know Jesus. And they're living in two relationships with others where they know the love of Jesus. And there's conversations going on over here with Matt and Cheryl about Cheryl's 
finishing up her treatment next week for chemo, but then she has some other things going on. How to love into that. Over here, the shankles are talking about boogers. Don't get into that, it's a long story. People are asking me, when does Kristen come back from Michigan? Just, you're in life together. But as I'm sitting there on the couch watching this yesterday, I'm watching the beauty of the body of Christ just love so powerfully. And in those moments, you just experience God's love in such a unique and amazing way. And I long for more of that. We should long for more of that sense of communion. Because in that communion, we meet Christ. We break bread. We learn We pray, we grow, we laugh, we cry, we support, we live life together. And God shows up in a powerful, powerful, powerful way. Because that's what happens when we come to table and God is present. On the night on which he was betrayed, Christ came to table. It's funny because there probably even wasn't a table there. They were reclining, tradition of the day, on the ground. They came to table to celebrate the Passover feast. And as was custom, Christ took the bread. He gave thanks for it. And then he broke it so that his disciples might see. And he said, this is my body. This is my body. And then later on in the meal, as was custom, he poured the drink, and as he poured it so that they might see, he said, this is my blood. And whenever you eat this bread and drink this juice, you do so in remembrance of me. But in that, in that, Jesus was present with the disciples in communion around the table, reclining. I'm sure there was lots of talk about the Passover, yes, but I'm sure there was also lots of talk about life, about everything that they had experienced, about everything that they were going through. In that moment, the communion was established by Christ around life together. And for us to experience and love into life together means that we are living into the model of communion God has given to us. This morning for um, our communion time, elders are going to be standing up here, the station over here, station over there. When you're ready, it doesn't have to be by robe, but when you're ready, come. I'll be available to bring the elements to anyone who can't um, come up, but... Um, and as you come, maybe it's again one of those moments when you're looking around and you're looking around, Terry and the, and the band will play some songs and we'll sing together, but you're looking around and you're looking into the people's lives that you see, the people that you are in communion with, in the body with, and maybe you don't know 
who that person is. Maybe it's, that's a person that you can say, I want to know their story. I want to live in communion with them. I want to know more about what's going on in their life so that I can speak into it, pray into it, love into it, and be loved by them. Come forward. Receive communion. Receive not just the elements, but receive Christ. I want to welcome the elders forward.